And uh, we're going to continue what we began Sunday morning. I'm going to talk a little bit about On the Run, part two. Um, We talked a lot about the natural, you can be seated, uh, a lot about the natural on on Sunday, uh, natural habits and natural things of the mind. Tonight we're going to focus really uh, more on the spiritual side of those things. But just as a couple bullet points, just for your memory, I suppose, from Sunday, I have four. Uh, number one is those who are not actively sowing into the kingdom, their purpose and mission are the ones that will fall to bitterness, jealousy, judgmental mindsets, being critical, and faithlessness. Number two, when faced with temptation, a bad habit, or a bad response, don't move on until it is identified, confronted biblically. And there's a plan going forward to maintain victory over it and in it. Number three, do not, do not ignore conflict. Do not ignore conflict with yourself and confront self. And number four, ignoring conflict and not confronting self, it produces vexation, a trap to the soul. We're going to start with Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. The Bible says, Take thy rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother. And speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded them, him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock. Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice rather than speaking to it. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Did you know that you can work for the Lord and for the church and still not be obedient to the Lord? Did you know that you can work for the Lord and work for the church and and not have faith in the work that you do? Partnering with the Lord is a term that many may have heard, but partnering with the Lord is when we agree and follow His plan, His ways, His methods, and we change ours. It's when we are pursuing what he is pursuing and being a willing vessel for whatever expression God desires to be expressed in that moment out of you. Many people in the Bible, you can look through scripture, they didn't want to or they didn't think they could be used of God for many different reasons. Uh, But you can look at people like Moses, and you can see that Moses was afraid to go to Pharaoh. He was afraid to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let God's people go. He feared that he could not speak well enough, eloquently enough. He could not articulate well enough. So the Lord sent Moses with his brother Aaron to help him and support him. Moses' words did not provoke Pharaoh to release God's people. God worked on the behalf of the people and moved when Moses became willing to move. His abilities could not part the Red Sea so God's people could cross, but God intervened through Moses when Moses was willing to trust God's way and Moses was willing to do something different than what he was accustomed to doing. You look at someone like Mary in the Bible, you would imagine that Mary faced the very real possibility of her name and her reputation being slandered by everyone around her. 
Mary faced the possibility of Joseph choosing not to stay with her and leave her to do everything alone. Mary faced the daunting task of caring for and raising the Messiah. Her abilities and her wisdom, her knowledge, they could not have prepared her for anything of this sort. Anything of this magnitude, it could not have prepared her. Yet the Lord guided her, protected her, gave her wisdom, and used her to be an example and a messenger for years and years and generations to come. We know Peter in the Bible, he, he struggled with his temper, he, he struggled with his emotions, he, he struggled with just being indecisive because he didn't think. We know Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. We know Peter, he had to face and fight great battles of the mind and emotions after denying Jesus. More than likely, condemnation fell upon him. More than likely, he questioned everything, feeling lost and afraid with no hope of what to do. But you see, when Peter was willing to change and willing to partner up with God and go with his methods, God gave him the message of salvation for the people to preach. And that message we still follow to this day. When Peter began to be willing to change and partner with God, people would run to his very shadow so that they would be healed. His shadow. He didn't do anything magnificent or amazing or incredible in himself or physical or mental abilities of any kind. He didn't do any of those things, but God used him because he was willing to partner with the Lord. God did miracles that Peter had no business doing because he, he partnered and was willing to be used by the Lord. The will of God has always been that he would use his creation to fulfill his will. The will of God has always been to use people like you and people like me and people that you can think of right now that they couldn't possibly be used of God, but God desires that they would be used to fulfill the will of God. People today, they struggle with these same fears, these same worries that these people that we read about in the Bible struggled with. We still battle with these same insecurities and these same worries and concerns. We still battle these same things, these, these same human and carnal logic. I, I can never teach a Bible study. I can never witness to somebody because I don't have the head knowledge. I don't have the articulate speaking ability. These, these same fears and worries are, are expressed and present in, in churches and around the world today. The, the argument that says that God has no room or no use for someone like me, but yet God turned a son of thunder into John the Beloved. He turned a murderer into an apostle. He used a repentant adulterer and murderer. He used a repentant drunk. He used and made a child a king. There is not one person or one soul that God will not use when that soul is willing to partner with God and pursue the will of God. He won't leave you like he found you. He won't leave you the same way in which he saw you the first time or we, we discovered God for the first time. You won't ever find a time in scripture that someone stayed the same when they partnered with God. You won't find a time that they were not transformed completely when they chose to be partnered with God. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us the Lord, he is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to his presence. All should come to his love. All should come to his, his kingdom. 
The Lord, He is long-suffering. If He was so patient with you, why would He not use you? Why would God be so patient with someone year after year, just pleading with them to come back, beckoning them to come into the presence of God and, and follow His Word? Why wouldn't He then use them and empower that person that He waited so long for? Why would He not use a person that He died for and shed blood for? I can tell you that it was not just to save you. That, that's not the, the whole entire point of, of, of us getting something that is called salvation. Something that's called the Holy Ghost and being baptized. But you can think about it in those terms. Yeah, that, that's, that's what God's going to do. He's going to forgive you. He's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's going to lead you to get baptized in his own name. And then tell you, sit there, don't do anything. Sit there, don't do anything else until I come back. Sit on that church chair or church pew for the next 23 years. Come to service every Sunday, every Wednesday, but just don't worry about doing anything else. Don't, don't worry about using that spirit that I filled you with. Don't worry about sharing that testimony that I gave you. Don't worry about sharing that with the world around you. Yes, I saved you and washed you and redeemed you and cleaned you, gave you a new life, a new story, new hope, and completely healed you. But nah, just sit there, don't get involved. That is not what God desires to do. That makes no sense whatsoever, even in uh, human logic, that, that makes no sense. Stay the same. Don't worry about adding to your praise. Don't worry about adding to your worship or your prayer life. Don't worry about receiving more understanding, seeking to know more about the Lord from the Word of God. Don't worry about implementing new things, new habits in your life. Don't worry about implementing better pieces of culture in your home. Don't worry about encouraging or provoking your family to go further in their relationship with God. Don't worry about it. The Spirit doesn't have to be at your home. People don't have to be able to be prayed through at your home. But that's not God's will. God's will is that all of those things would happen. Don't worry about growing faith to faith. Just stay right there. See, my belief is that one of the reasons that this is so challenging for people at times in life is that there is a misconception about stepping out in faith. There are many people that believe and sometimes feel that stepping out in faith means that you just step out and now you're alone. Step out in a place that nobody else has, has stepped out into and you're alone to do it yourself. Many believe and feel at times that when you step out in faith, that's your big test of your life. That, that's your big final for school. When you step out in faith and if you do it right in that moment, you soar and you do well and you just, you just are propelled into a new season or a great place of spiritual elevation. Or you get it wrong and you miss it forever. That's the misconception. That's the misconception. You, we are never alone when we, when we walk out in faith. We're never alone when we, when we walk in any accordance to the will of God. We are always with God. He is always with us. He love is, is always with us. It makes me think of, of songs like, Tis So Sweet. That first part of that song goes, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word. Just to rest upon His promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. And it's good to remind ourselves at times that God is with us. It is so sweet and so wonderful, so precious to know that He is God, that He is with us, He is with me, He is with you. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, He goes with us, He goes before us. He has already went to that place before we stepped out in faith to that place. 
Wherever that we go, whatever that we do, Jesus has already been there. Jesus has already prayed for that. Jesus has already met that place before we even walked into it. Inside the midst and the moment that you step out in faith, his presence goes with you. Inside the moment and the midst and the action of you failing, he is still with you in that moment. You are not alone when you step out in faith. He is with you. You are in his hands and, and God is, he is for you. In Isaiah 41 and 10, the Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Don't be dismayed because I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. The Bible says clearly that God cannot lie. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. You can look at a scripture like Numbers 23 and 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Hebrews 6-18 reiterates that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us. The Lord, He's not a God that kids or messes around. The Lord doesn't yank your chain. The Lord doesn't play games or play make-believe. He doesn't make promises that he will not keep. He doesn't make promises to make someone like him. He doesn't sermonize or make a fine-tuned, ten-point entertainment speech. He speaks truth. He speaks life. He speaks love. And what he has said, that will come to pass. What he has called you for and the anointing that he has placed upon you is not a joke. It's not a game. It's not a tease. He's not going to yank it away when you don't do great. It's not a gift that he's going to take back. You know, you didn't do good, so I'm taking that back. You're never going to be used of God again. It's for us to walk with him and partner with him in the will of God. It's important that we don't overcomplicate this walk with God that we have. Don't overcomplicate miracles. Miracles, they are a byproduct of righteous living. Don't overcomplicate discipleship. Byproduct of righteous living with love for God, love for his word, and love for souls. It's a byproduct when we live righteously that God will work on our behalf. When we are walking with God, there will be signs that follow us. They're byproducts. Not that we create miracles, not that we do that work, but, but rather that God keeps his word. So that when we live by his word, his word is expressed through us, through our life, through our words, through our actions, through our prayers. So I, I would challenge someone today to, to allow God to speak to you in an unfiltered by human fear and thought way. Allow God to speak without our flesh getting in the way of his instruction. Allow God to speak and his pleas for his people to move and act on his, on his behalf. How different would it be? How, how different would we respond or perceive the word of God that is spoken in our lives if we did that? If we remove the filter of the carnal, if we remove the filter of human thinking, how would we perceive the word of God when it is given? How would we receive a promise or prophecy or a provoking from the spirit of the Lord? If we remove the human logic from the filter when God speaks. If we tore away those scales, those carnal filters and carnal fears and asked God simply, Lord, I, I want to hear you clearly. I don't want to get in the way of your voice. 
Lord, I want to respond with gladness and excitement when your presence provokes me to move, not with fear, not with worry, not with hesitance. Lord, I don't want to be afraid or worried about how I look or sound when you ask me to move or speak. God, I desire to partner with you. I want to move when you move and not fall behind your will for me. Our prayers would look different. Our time with the Lord would look different. His efforts and all the, all the obstacles that he has to get through it from our mind and, and our heart, they would be different. The results would be different. More things would be produced when we intentionally start to remove those filters away. How different would our walk with God be? How different would it look if we fought for a sound mind for the presence of God to speak how he desires and we simply flow with him? We would simply move and we would simply speak and operate as his spirit does. As his spirit speaks and, 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 and provokes us to move, we would just do it. It would just be natural and organic and it would be out of love and compassion and desire to please him and desire to reach the people that he desires us to reach. God, he desires to use his people in new ways for specific purposes and specific mission. God desires to use his people in this place, in this room, in new ways in order to set free the souls of the region, set, set free the souls of, of the neighborhoods and families around that we know personally, that we know their first names, we know their situations, we know what they deal with, they tell us what they deal with. Those are the people that he wants to set free using the people in this room. He wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with you to, to break yokes. He desires to partner with you to set captives free in their mind and their heart and their spiritual life. He desires to partner with you to heal the sick and the body in the, and heal the sick in the mind, to heal the sick in the soul, to heal every part of humanity so that we could be like him, so we could be holy, so we could be where we need to be with God. These things are, are meant to be a byproduct of living for God. They shall know who you are. They shall know that you are my disciples by your love for one another and the fruit that is produced. It's the byproduct of, of living for God. It's the byproduct of partnering with his word. It's the byproduct of desiring his will above all else and removing our will, removing our motives from that filter. I don't want God's voice to be filtered through my own thinking. I don't want God's voice to be filtered through my own experiences and my downfalls, my, my happy times or my sad times. I don't want it to be filtered through unreconciled situations or relationships. I don't want it to be filtered through my perceived notions. And I, I already know this, God. I don't want it to be filtered through that. Because then we cannot learn and we cannot grow and we miss what God wants to do. So God desires that prophets would rise in this place. God desires that the gift of faith would be expressed in this place. He desires that the gift of healing would be exercised. He desires that each and every one of these gifts of the Spirit would be exercised. He desires that each soul would be used in new ways. He desires that each person would work and walk according to his will. And if each person is not working and walking in accordance with his will, they are missing an opportunity to walk with the Lord. They are missing an opportunity to, you, to be used of the Lord in a way that they never thought was possible. So who told us that gifts could only operate in a crowd of large, 
Holy Ghost filled people who told us that our pastor or spiritual authority or our Sunday school teacher or the worship leader had to be in the room with you when gifts are expressed from God, who told us that we had to stay in our lane spiritually. Our lane is is the mission field. Our lane is to follow the Lord. Our lane is to have power and dominion. Our lane is to have authority through Christ. There are gifts in this place that have not been expressed. There are giftings and anointings that have not been expressed or tapped into in this very room. There are people in this place that have yet to walk in that gifting, their true passion that they may not even know yet, and the purpose that God has placed them here for. Could I tell you that God desires to express His authority from every soul that is in this room. God desires that every soul would be able to express the authority of God through their voice and their heart. Can I also tell you that if signs don't follow each one of us in in some fashion, we miss out on the will of God for our lives. We, We miss out and we walk under the privilege that God has set aside for us. We walk under the benefit that God has set aside for his people when they are not being expressed in our life. His will is for you to be used of him to reach the lost and you to be used of him to shake the kingdom of hell with everything that you do. Oh, I messed up too much and I I got too much sin in my life. I, I got too many failures in my life. I have too many bad thoughts in my mind. The Bible tells us, Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin it shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. We have dominion over sin when we walk with God. We have dominion over the flesh when we submit it to the Lord. Well, the enemy's too powerful. It's too big. I don't have the power to fight against that demon. I don't have the power to fight against that evil destruction that's in the world. I don't have the power to help someone out of their mess and their, their, their turmoil of their mind. But the Bible says in Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, all the influences of the enemy, all the abilities of the enemy, all of the words of the enemy, all the situations and circumstances that the enemy has helped to provoke into life and nothing shall by any means hurt you well I don't have any power I don't have any special abilities I don't have anything special about me well yeah that's true we don't have those things on our own alone yeah we cannot overcome sin alone yeah we cannot speak a word of faith that shakes loose shackles from a soul's heart but through God through his word through God we can do all things that are according to to his will. All things that are according to his will, we can do. All things according to his will, when we walk according to his will, when we submit to his will, when we submit our minds and our hearts to his will, all things are possible through his will. The Bible reminds us in Acts chapter 1 and 8, it says, you shall receive power that power that you were seeking, the the power that you say you don't have, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. That, That means the uttermost part of the earth. 
That, mean, that means every part of the earth you have power to be a witness in. That means every situation and every place you have power to be a witness in. You have power and the authority of Jesus to speak into and things change. It doesn't matter if you're in a rinky-dink town of 15 people or 35 people or in a city of 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 or 2 million or 200 million. Wherever we go with the Spirit of God, wherever we go in the will of God and the purpose of God and His word we have power in psalms 23 and 4 says yea i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me it does not matter what we face if we partner with the lord it does not matter what our fears or concerns or our worries or our insecurities are when we partner with the Lord. We have power when we partner with the Lord and, and He is with us in it. Don't shortchange what God can do. All too often we have all seen times when, when callings are shortchanged and, and people's ministries are shortchanged because they talk themselves out of being used of God. They talk themselves out of being able to be willing to, to move when God moves. They talk themselves out of praying with somebody that they might receive a miracle. They talk themselves out of praying with somebody that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They talk themselves out of talking to that intimidating person with that intimidating personality, with that intimidating mindset, so that they did not speak to that person. And it shortchanged the reality is when any time that something is shortchanged in the kingdom of God, anything, any time that it's shortchanged in, in the church with the people or body of, of Christ, that shortchange always comes from us. It always comes from the flesh. It always comes from our shortcomings. It always comes from our lack of understanding or our lack of faith or our lack of belief. Do not shortchange what God desires to do in you. Do not shortchange what God desires to do through you. We cannot shortchange it. Shortchanging happens all too often because we think of it in a human way, in a logic way. Well, I, I got a few years before I have to worry about learning that. I, I have a few years before I have to worry about getting involved in that ministry. I have a few years and I can learn all about the Word of God and I can educate myself so I can be ready in a few years. The Bible warns us against that. The Bible warns us against assuming and thinking that we have time and we have more opportunities than we actually do. Things are shortchanged when we think in a way that is human and we logic, we apply logic to it. They're not going to hear from me. They're not going to listen to me. They won't receive that miracle, I sinned today. They're not going to receive their blessing because I sinned yesterday. They're not going to receive that, that, that word from God that they need because I can't articulate it. I, I don't have discernment to know when God is moving in the spirit, so I'm just going to pull myself back away from that. It's intimidating and scary when the gifts are in activation, so I'm going to pull away from that. There's someone else better and more available and more ready and more practiced in the gift of the Spirit, so I'm going to pull myself away from that situation. i got to hear that from pastor. i got to hear that from some bishop or some minister, some preacher, some whatever, whatever, whatever. So I'm going to pull myself back from that because I don't have that position. 
I don't want to step on somebody's toes, so I'm not going to walk in anointing. I don't want to offend somebody, so I'm not going to walk in anointing. I don't want to offend somebody, so I'm not going to say what the Lord told me to say. I don't want to offend nobody, so I'm not going to speak that prophecy that God put on my heart to speak. Jonah, when he would not speak what God told him to speak, he got thrown and stuffed inside of a fish for three days, and he didn't pray for three days. He was that stubborn, that insecure, that prideful, whatever you want to put on it. He was that human that he stayed in there for three days. Don't you think if he prayed earlier that God would have taken him out of the fish? I wonder what would happen if every time that we didn't speak what was given to us from God to speak if we got thrown in a fish. I wonder what would happen if there was immediate ramifications that we could see with our eyes of the results of us not speaking or not moving in the Spirit, how that would change our perspective on moving in the Spirit. If we would see the future right in that moment when we chose not to speak to that person and we could see their future of destruction and eternity in hell, I wonder if that might change our perspective on if we speak to them. I wonder if if we're supposed to pray for somebody And God says, you can feel it in your bones. You can feel it in your insides, that burning that says, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. But you, you didn't do it because someone else has more power than me. But yet you see the future of that person in that moment and they die of cancer because you didn't pray. And the cancer wasn't healed because we didn't pray. There are real things. This, this, this world that we live in, this, this is reality. There are real things in this world. There are real sicknesses. There is real brokenness. There is real fear. There is real destruction. There is real sin. There is real death. All of these things are real, and they happen in the world. And we are placed on this earth to be that person, to be that people that can do something about it with the glory and power of God according to his will. Because God desires to heal the sick. He he desires to reach the lost. He he desires to set free the minds of the people. But I wonder if we saw the immediate ramifications of what we didn't choose to do, would that change what we did? That could help reveal something in our hearts. That could help reveal something in my heart. Why, Why didn't I do it? Is it because I lack love for the souls around me? Is it because I have too much pride that I don't want to make myself uncomfortable? I don't want them to think some crazy thought about me and call me some Jesus freak, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Short change. It's a short change. And many times we have all seen it when there's a service and somebody didn't get their blessing. And we've seen it happen. And we apply logic to it right away. Somebody will get to them. We felt the burden to speak it. We felt the burden to pray for him. We felt the burden to prophesy. We, we felt the burden to intercede. But right when we noticed that we should have done it and we didn't do it, we apply logic right away instead of repenting for it and intentionally making it different the next time. Somebody else will get to that person. I, I'm sorry, God, I missed out. I, I missed out on that person, but somebody else, I know somebody else will get to them. There was a time, I don't know how old I was, I was, uh, I think it was the year I got the Holy Ghost, actually. I got the Holy Ghost at camp in South Dakota. I was, I don't know, some kind of teenager, I don't know what age. But I got the Holy Ghost, 
And uh, a month after I got the Holy Ghost, we went to another camp. And it was a big group. We were looking to have fun and everything. And uh, the preaching went forth. The altar call went forth. The worship went forth. And there was a phenomenal time in the presence of God. And there was this individual, this young guy who was up there praying. And he was praying his heart out. He was, he was shedding tears. He was up there for probably 45 minutes to an hour. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. All these people coming up praying for him. You have, you have all these people who are draped all over him, praying and praying and praying. And after a while, they start to just fall off. They lose energy and they're like, okay, I, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And then in that moment, the, the preacher of that camp, he was praying with the individual. And, and he went up to the individual, he has hands on, on his shoulders. And he, he I'm paraphrasing what he said because I don't remember the exact wording. But he pleaded with the people in the congregation, someone come pray for this man. Someone come pray for this man. God wants to do something. He, he, need, he has a need. Someone come pray for this man. And he pleaded with the congregation for five minutes, tears rolling down his face, heart that was bursting for love and compassion. And he had a burden for this man that desperately needed something from God. And that person who didn't pray for him was me. The whole time he was up there at the altar, I knew God was leading me to pray for him. And my logic was, I, you know, I just got the Holy Ghost. That's not my thing. I, I just got the Holy Ghost. What, what could I do that they couldn't do? What could I do that someone hasn't already spoken? What, what could I pray that someone has not already prayed? That's the logic that I used. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know the results of that. At the end of the camp, I know he didn't have the Holy Ghost. And he went back to a home that was destroyed by sin. He went back to a home that had so much dysfunction that it would shock people how much dysfunction and disorder and brokenness and hate and sin that it had in that home. I, I pray, and I have prayed over the years, that, that God would save that man, that God would help that man, that somehow somebody would intervene on that path and, and move in a way that I didn't move. I don't know what the results of his situation in his life is. My point in that is that was a month after I received the Holy Ghost. You have the same power of the Holy Ghost whether you just got it or have had it for 30 years. It's the same power, the same spirit, the same glory. And all God desires of us is just to be following and walking with him and listen when he speaks. Listen when he speaks, read his word, listen when we read the word, and follow after him. These miracles that we see in the Bible, for example, Moses, he didn't do anything spectacular to make the Red Sea part. But because he had a burden to lead the people, and he had a love for the people, a miracle occurred so to help the Israelites cross that Red Sea. He didn't do anything miraculous, he didn't do anything special, and many times that's the same case with us. When we are being provoked and moved on by the power of God. God's not asking us to do anything miraculous or special or significant to a certain degree. But in our mind we think, oh, I can never do that. That's way too big for me. But all he's asking is for us to go pray for somebody. All he's asking us is, is to go talk to somebody. All he's asking is just to use your voice that we use all the time every day anyway. Many miracles in the Bible... Many times that people were saved and taken care of, the miracles were not that great in terms of the physical. The physical action of man, when God did the miracles through them, the man usually did not do something that was incredible. 
God did the incredible part. That's how it always works. God always does the incredible part. He always does the, the thing that we can't do. He always does the healing. He always does the saving. He always does the powerful, most miraculous part. We just have to get past self. We have to get past our own mind. If we could stand. 